On the road with the Utah Jazz, J.P. Chunga here on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com, joined by a local for D.C., Mike Williams, assistant coach for the Utah Jazz. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here and excited to be home, too. <laughs> so tell me about that. I'm sure this is pretty special, having gotten a career, started off in the NBA and in the G League with the Capital City Go-Go. has to be pretty cool to come back home with a new team. Yeah, it feels a little bit full circle. Um, now I've only this is my sixth year in professional basketball, and I started with the Wizards. So to be playing here and have shoot around this morning to be in that arena felt really cool. Also felt a little bit weird and awkward. Uh, I'm used to being on the home side, not the visitor side, yep. and in a different locker room. So it definitely feels a bit strange, but um, it's great to be here, see family, see friends, and people that I've grown up with. So it's been cool. Tell me about that journey to getting to this point because you had an internship with the Portland Trailblazers mm -hmm. as well mixed into this experience. Right, so uh, I went to the University of Maryland and when I finished grad school there, I interned for the Blazers, like you said, and it was a great experience, traveled across the country. That was the first time I did that. Um, and it was great, but they didn't have any full-time positions once the internship ended. And so I was in contact with some people from the Wizards and ended up working out that they had an open player development slash video spot. And so that's how I got my foot in the NBA. Um, and so for my first three years in the NBA, I was doing that job. Um, but I also had some experience in the G League as well. The Capital City Go-Go, their inaugural se season was my first year in the NBA. And so that first year I wasn't traveling with the team. So when the, when the Wizards were gone and the Go-Go were in town, I would just hang out with them, go to practice, be in their coaches' meetings, help out however I could. And that was my first real exposure to the G League and just the growth that everybody experiences there from coaching to obviously players and front office and medical staff, I thought it was just a really cool environment. And then fast forward through COVID, you know, there were two bubbles. There's an NBA bubble, there's also a G League bubble. And I went to the G League bubble and we merged our team with what are now um, the Birmingham squadron, squadron that used to be the Erie, Erie Bayhawks. And um, Part of the deal, I got to coach two games, and that was my first head coaching experience. And then once that season was over, um, I was hired as the G League head coach for the Go-Go. At 25? That's right. How crazy is it to be in that position at such a young age? Because it's something that Will went through last year when he's getting the opportunity to be one of the youngest head coaches in the NBA. Yeah, you know, I was right in the middle of the age range of our players. All right, so we went from, we had a 19-year-old and we had a 31-year-old. So I'm literally right in the middle. Uh, so in a certain aspect, it felt strange because you're directing people and instructing people who are virtually your same generation. But also it created a, di a different level of connection with those guys because we had a lot of shared basketball experiences growing up, things that we had seen, players that we enjoyed watching and things like that. So from that perspective, it was, it was actually really comfortable. Um, you know, being such a young age, you're just kind of thrown in the fire and you have to figure it out. But that's really what the G League is for. You're not supposed to be a finished product. You're supposed to learn and grow and develop. And as time goes on and you keep doing the job, you get a little bit better. Like, I remember being so nervous yeah. those first couple of games, probably the first 10 to 12 games where the anthem's going and your like, legs are shaking and you're sweating a little bit. And then by the time we got, you know, to January or late December, all that kind of went away. And you find a routine and you find a rhythm um, when things start to really settle down. So I'm super grateful for that experience. And I'm sure you find your voice as a head coach. Like you, you have to be the chief communicator mm -hmm. to everybody so that it goes down. And 
you learn it pretty quickly being the head man at such a young age. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'm grateful that both years I was a head coach, I had great assistants, uh, many of whom had more experience than I did, actually. And so leaning on them was a huge, a huge plus for me because there's just a lot of things I didn't know. They knew how to navigate some of these waters that I just wasn't accustomed to. So I could lean on them and ask for advice and things like that. And there were other times where I just kind of fell on my face and you learn from it. And if you, you know, do something wrong, you apologize or you, you take the blame and then you move forward. Um, honestly, the mistakes are probably what I'm more grateful for because those are the things that I felt kind of created the most growth. When you look at where you were last year at this point, you're getting ready to take on Windy City Bulls. You're coaching one guy that's on the Jazz right now, Chris Dunn. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you reflect like, it's pretty cool how, how far things have come in just a calendar year? Yeah, it's uh, so much has happened in just a year. Um, and things that I would have never been able to predict. Like I would I'd have never predicted coming in contact with Will and being hired by the Jazz and moving to Salt Lake. Um, I could have predicted that Chris would have got called up. But that's one. I wasn't sure which team, but the way he was playing for us, it would be silly for a team not to choose him. Right. But, um, yeah, when I think about it, I'm, I'm really blown away. Because um, you never know how life goes, but when you, I feel like when you stay focused on just the day-to-day -day stuff and trying to do a good job and help the people around you, those things end up working out in your favor. Tell me about Chris, because he's with you with the Capital City Go-Go. He goes there to try and show that he can still be in the NBA. He had been previously with another G League team with the Clippers. This is his, his second run through that league. What do you see in knowing that at some point he's going to get a shot and he's fully taken it? Now he's a starter on an NBA team. Right. I think the first thing was just his dedication to being prepared to play. Right. Like just because he was in the G League didn't mean that he didn't pay attention to scouts and didn't pay attention to personnel. He knew exactly what everybody else did on the other teams. He also prepared his body. He did a great job getting with our strength coach and lifting and getting treatment from our trainers and also getting his all-court work in. Like, he didn't skip days. <clears throat> he wasn't taking days off. He always at least did a little bit of touch-up work. Um, the second piece where I knew is just his energy and his attitude. Uh, and it's some of the things that we've experienced with the Jazz this year as well. He's got kind of this infectious, contagious juice that just kind of permeates through the rest of the group. And it's really just who he is, but his spirit like lifts everybody else up. And he did that for us in the G League, and he's doing that for our team now. How helpful is his voice for you being a young coach and learning about players, him helping you out in that way? Yeah, I always say guys like Chris and also coach Greg Monroe, who's also a little bit older, like those guys probably taught me more than, they, than I taught them. Um, but you start to understand what it's like to interact with players who've been in the NBA, you know, players who have experienced an 82-game season and understand what it really means to play at that level. Um, and so there was times where I would lean on Chris, like, what do you think about doing this drill or doing shoot-around at this time, just to get his perspective. And that also keeps him engaged, and you want to kind of anoint him as a leader because he's got so much experience. And our, guy, our younger players kind of followed his lead, um, which was really great for our team. What was it like to see him get that 10-day with the Jazz and then see it converted for the rest of the season? Oh, man, we were so happy. I remember, like, the day it happened, everybody was – we were, like, cheering. He wasn't even there. Because <laughs> it happened during – I think it happened during All-Star break. Yep. Uh, and so we're, like, all cheering and happy. 
And then you're like, man, the locker room's a lot quieter right now. <laughs> it's like, where's all the noise? Like, oh, Chris isn't here anymore. Um, but we we were so happy. And just knowing his story, just even before he got to the NBA and how he grew up yeah. and then his experience at Providence and the experience in the NBA and being hurt and working his way back, um, it's a real testament to who he is as a person. Uh, we were super proud. I think that that's so huge for just look at the Jazz Keontae, to know his story, to be like this guy was a, a top five pick. Things didn't work out initially. He still perseveres and battles through mm -hmm. to continue to do the work to where he is now, where he's starting on an NBA team. A calendar year ago, he was in the G League. That's how it's it's a, still cool to say just right. to know his story and know the path that he took. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest lesson is things aren't always going to go your way, but you can control how you respond to those things. And Chris is one of the most resilient people that I've ever met, and he's a testament to just kind of staying the course and taking what kind of comes to you and then making the best of it. How many ticket requests for today's game for you? Uh, no. <laughs> That's a lot? Not not a terrible amount. Okay. But uh, Becca was great at you know being very accommodating, and some of the other coaches gave me tickets, so it, was, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, too much of a hassle. <laughs> I mean, you're the local boy. You went to Gonzaga. This is a program that everybody knows around the DMV. Gonzaga, DeMatha, those type of schools. Yeah. it's, a <laughs> it's And you're that. a Terp. It feels, all that feels so, so foreign now. And it just, there's just been so much that's happened since being in high school or being in college. Um, but it's been great to connect with a lot of people. And, you know, definitely wouldn't be in this spot without a number of people who who helped me get there and kind of supported me. So it's, it's been cool. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. What have you learned and Tell us about your responsibilities with the Jazz this year. Um, so as an assistant coach, I work close, most closely with Luka Samanich and Omer Yurtsevin. And so far to date, those guys haven't got a ton of playing time. So it's been a very interesting lesson in keeping players at the end of the bench engaged. Uh, and we've had to get creative and find different ways to keep them improving, but they've been unbelievable to work with. Um, and they've stayed the course and they do exactly what, what our staff has asked them to do, which has been great. Um, and then just learning from Will, uh, he's brilliant. Uh, I'm sure you're you're very aware of that. Um, but just the way his mind works and thinks about offense and defense and strategy and schematics, um, how to attack a defense in certain ways and how to isolate, you know, bad defenders, things like that. Um, and defensively, just switching coverages, right? You can't just throw one look at a team. You may have to throw three, four different, three or four different defenses at a team. Um, so I feel like I'm in like my basketball PhD right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost, it's almost like that, where just every single day 
there's something new that I'm learning. Like, wow, I kind of wish I had that when I was a head coach. <laughs> they might have won us some more games. <laughs> some more games. Um, but it's been a great learning experience so far. But the G League's about development. It's about getting guys reps, getting guys into the swing of things so that when they get their NBA call, they're ready. No, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing. Like in the G League, one of the great things about that environment is that everybody's working toward the same thing. And so, you know, like, like for players, you don't want to get left behind not working when you see your teammate working. You got to both working for that same call up. But in the same breath, it creates this really strong, like, uh, sense of community um, because everybody's in it together and everybody needs everybody, right? Like, I needed the players, the players need the trainers, the trainers need the coach. Like, everybody needs everybody in that type of environment. And so the development, in my opinion, is greatly, if it's done right, is greatly accelerated because now you have a bunch of people pushing in the same direction versus where, like, one person is doing this thing, one person is doing that thing. And they're kind of pulling apart, so they're pulling together. Um, and we were fortunate enough, fortunate enough, uh, you know, the go-go with myself and Amber Nichols, who was our, G, who was our GM. Uh, we were fortunate to have a really tight group, and everybody just kind of got better together. And it has to help that Parent Club is right next door. I mean, similar to what the Jazz do with the Salt Lake City Stars, it's very close. It's not like they're all the way in another state. Right. Yeah, we were in the, we shared the facility with them. So we were seeing the players and the coaches and the front office members of the Wizards every single day. Um, and that's also, especially once you get to this part of the season in January and February, or maybe like the 10 day hasn't came that you thought you were gonna get, mm -hmm. like seeing Wizards or an NBA personnel in the building that practice or at a game gives you a little bit extra boost. Um, Cause you know, like everything matters and you're still being evaluated even though your time hasn't come yet. It's, it's a big boost for the guys. If you're playing, they're watching. That's that's what I've also learned talking from people. Mm -hmm. There's a basketball game on. They're at showcase. They're at all these things. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's amazing that you won't even really know yep. as well, right? Like, it's not like they're wearing a big hoodie that has you know the Jazz on it or the Bulls or yeah. the Kings. Like you don't know. It's, it could be some plain guy wearing a white white button down shirt and some khakis and some chucks. Like you just you never know. It sounds oddly familiar. It sounds like what I'm wearing. <laughs> He's a local boy, and uh, he's going to get his shot as the Jazz take on the Wizards tonight. Mike Williams, assistant coach with the Utah Jazz. Mike, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate you.